Good morning. God is good? Amen. This morning, I want to tell you a little bit about my personal journey, how it was that the Lord led me and taught me about the importance of prayer. I'd like to uh, get started right away. We'd like to begin with the word of prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, you're so awesome. You are God Almighty. We praise your name. Lord, my prayer this morning is that it would not be I, but Christ, honored, loved, exalted. Not I, but Christ, be seen, be known, be heard. And in every look and action, in every thought and word. Please bless us, O God. Speak to our hearts. Is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. A sage of India was asked by a young man, how can I find God? And for a time, the sage gave no response. But then one evening, the sage invited the young man to go down to the river to bathe. They get down into the water, and the sage grabs the young man, pulls him under the water, and holds him there till he nearly drowns. And then he releases him, and the young man comes popping up out of the water. And the sage looks him in the eye and says, What did you want most when you were under that water? And the young man, gasping for air, says, I wanted a breath of fresh air. And the sage said to that man, When you want to find God as much as you wanted that breath of fresh air, you will find him. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with half your heart. Is that what it says? You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I want to go back and look at the preceding verses. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. What a beautiful promise. I love the way the NIV puts it. For I know the plans I have for you. God says, I have a plan for your life. Now, last year in the fall, I made a trip out to New Mexico to visit this one church. Friday morning, I'm talking to this young pastor who just come out of the seminary. And he's telling me about his life journey. He didn't grow up as an Adventist. He went to a secular university down in Florida, and one day he learned the Adventist truths and he accepted it and became an Adventist. Well, the Lord impressed him to go on to the seminary to get training to be a minister. So a few years later, he is up at the seminary and he's going through his first semester and he's realizing that it's really, really expensive and that if he doesn't get help with his tuition, he's going to have a lot of debt by the time he gets out. And so at that time, he was thinking, maybe I should consider one of these three- or four-month shorter programs that, that train you in how to do God's work. But he prayed about it and said, God, if you want me to continue my studies in the seminary, you need to help me. And a few days later, he gets this call out of the blue from the Rocky Mountain Conference. He's a new Adventist from Florida. From the Rocky Mountain Conference, he gets a call, and they're saying, we'd like to sponsor you. Well, he continues his studies. He's getting close to the end of his studies, and he's asking God, God, do you want me to unite my life with that of another individual before I leave the seminary to do ministry, or are you wanting me to go out single? And, and he prayed, Lord, if you are wanting me to unite my life with someone else, during this week, could you have someone that I just have not been in touch with for a long time contact me in some way? A few days later, he gets this email from a gal. She says, 
Hi, Blake. Hey, it's been a while since we've been in touch. How are you doing? And so he's thinking now that God has spoken to him. Well, time goes on, and he gets to know this individual better, and long story short, they unite their lives, and they're now down in Arizona, New Mexico, that is, doing ministry together. I'm hearing the story, and I'm thinking, wow, there is a God, and this God has a plan for this man's life. And I want to ask you, if you were to tell your life story to a neighbor or to a friend, would they come to the conclusion that there must be a God, and that this God must have a plan for your life? If the answer is no, it might be because you're in the driver's seat, and you've got your hands on the steering wheel. If we would take our hands off and let Christ in the driver's seat, you will see that God has an incredible plan for your life. Amen? Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. Do you know a God that you can call upon who listens to you? And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And the promise in the next verse is beautiful. God says, I will be found by you. You know, I believe that we must first find God before we can come to know God. I grew up as an Adventist. I went through Adventist schools all my life. Went to church schools, had Bible class, went to church on Sabbath, learned even more about God. And year by year, I was learning more about God. I was knowing more and more about God, but I didn't know God. Later, I ended up in the seminary, and I learned a whole lot more about God, but I didn't know God. It wasn't until after I left the seminary, unfortunately. 2004, getting ready to graduate from the seminary, and I had missions in my blood. I wanted to go out there. I wanted to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. What I did not have in my blood was babysitting. Well, the doors opened up for me to go out to a church in the state of Washington, and do you know what they were looking for? They were looking for an experienced babysitter. And I knew I was in trouble because a few years earlier, I had spent some time doing similar type of work, youth ministry at another church, and it was one of the most painful experiences of my life, and I said, I'm never doing that again. But the Lord said, go. And when the Lord says, go, what is the best thing you can do? Go. I didn't want to run away. I didn't want to get swallowed up by jaws. <laughs> so I went, but this time I went on my knees. Okay. I never really prayed in my life. Of course, I prayed before meals. And before seminary, um, I learned about the importance of spending that one hour with God. And so every morning, a little prayer, Bible reading, and then praying at meal times, praying in the evening. But this was the first time that I got on my knees and started praying. And I decided to spend at least one hour a day in prayer. And spending one whole hour is an extremely long time if you're not used to praying. So I decided to spend about half an hour before noon in the morning and then another half hour in the afternoon as I began this ministry at Seattle Central. Before I continue, I want to share with you the words of Alexander McLaren. He's a Baptist preacher and expositor of the 19th century. He says, Do you know Christ as a man knows his friend, or do you know him as you know Julius Caesar? 
And we could put the name Barack Obama in there. Do you know Christ as a man knows his friend, or do you know him as you know Barack Obama? Do you know Christ because you live with him and he with you? Or do you know about him in the way that a man knows about his neighbor across the street that has lived beside him for 25 years and never spoken to him once in all that time? So I'm beginning my ministry, seeking God with all my heart because he has to show up. Otherwise, I'm not going to survive because I've been there before. We started praying. And in answer to prayer, God started sending laborers. God started sending people back to the church that had left the church a few years earlier. And in a year and a half, we saw God do amazing things in answer to prayer. We saw, we saw God pretty much double the size of the church. Now, I really understand what Charles Spurgeon, the great British preacher, meant when he says, anything is a blessing which makes us pray. I don't know what you're going through. Marital difficulties, financial problems, maybe you're struggling with health issues. But if it will bring you down to your knees, you can thank God and consider it a blessing. Prayer is such a blessing that anything that which brings us down to our knees is a blessing. Amen? Charles Spurgeon, man greatly used by God. And the reason he was greatly used by God is because he was a man of prayer. He said, I would rather teach one man to pray than ten men to preach. So about a year and a half later, um, we have a youth and young adult group. Uh, the size of our church pretty much had doubled. And um, I had a team of leaders who were now believing that God hears and answers prayers. And as we saw our church growing bigger, we're like, our purpose is not just to grow big, but our purpose is to fulfill the Great Commission. And we were praying about how we could get our young people more focused on the mission of the church, which is missions. We had three primary reasons. Reason number one is because we're told to go. I like this quote by John Piper, go, send, or disobey. Mendel Taylor says, the church must send or the church will end. Reason number two why we wanted to really get involved in not only local mission, but global mission is because Ellen White in a number of places talks about how when we support the work overseas, God will bless the local church. And we just wanted to cooperate with God and wanted him to pour out his blessings on our church. This is one of the many quotes taken from Gospel Workers, page 465. To show a liberal self-denying spirit for the success of foreign missions is a sure way to advance home missionary work for the prosperity of the homework depends largely under God upon the reflex influence of the evangelical work done in countries afar off. And our third reason for wanting to get serious about missions is because we had a concern for our youth. It is hard living in America. It is hard for our young people who grew up in this country to love God. Okay? Because of the things in the world that pull them. You hear them talk and you wonder if they love the world more than they love God. And you know it's not possible to love both the world and love God. We wanted to help these young people focus on, on something much bigger than their own lives. We wanted to get them involved in a life of service. In the fall 
in the winter of 2005, we began praying about what we could do, and the Lord gave us this idea of setting aside our third Sabbath loose offering and sending it overseas to help our less fortunate Asian neighbors. Since most of us were Korean, we wanted to help the third world countries near that area. And the Lord gave us the idea of sending our funds over there through a ministry called Adventist Southeast Asia Projects. And what we liked about this ministry is that they had these little projects. You could provide rice, you could build a well, maybe a small church. And since we were collecting our third Sabbath loose offering, which wasn't a lot of money, it came out to about an average of $300, um, we wanted to send our money through this organization because $300, though it's not a lot for us overseas, you could do a whole lot with that money. So we collected our first offering in 2005 of December, and then in January, our group went to a retreat for the weekend on the third Sabbath, but we still reminded them about the offering, and they brought their money, and we collected about $220. Well, after the second offering, which we collected, which was for the people of Vietnam, we provided rice for them. Back then, $20, you could feed a whole family for a whole month. But now, because of rise in food costs, it costs about $40 now. After that second offering, I happened to pick up this tape that had been sitting on my desk for several months. This tape by a missionary who was just moving forward in faith, trusting the Lord, and God was sending him literally millions of dollars for his projects. And I was getting so inspired as I heard these stories about what God was doing, and I said, God, I want to see you do great things here in Seattle. I refuse to believe that you had to be a missionary out in a third world country in a malaria high-risk area in order to see great things. North America is a mission field, amen? amen. You're, a mission field. you're a missionary, that is, amen? amen? You're a missionary or you're a mission field. As one professor in the seminary put it, you're either reaching out or you're passing out. And as I was hearing this message on this tape, the missionary said something I'll never forget. He says, we'll never have enough money to finish the work. How much will be enough? Ten million? A hundred million? He says, we need to move forward in faith and trust the God of infinite resources to provide. And he had the stories to prove it. He was moving forward in faith and God was providing. And so I said, God, what do you want me to do? And as I was praying, I thought about our third Sabbath loose offerings. How much did I say we collected on average? 300. I thought about challenging my members to pray for a $500 offering, but then thought, that doesn't require much faith. Then thought about a $700 offering. Finally decided it would take faith to pray for a $1,000 offering. And since we had provided rice for the people of Vietnam, now we wanted to provide Bibles so we could provide for their spiritual nourishment. So a few days later, I I showed up in church, and I challenged our young people and our young adults to pray for a $1,000 offering if we prayed every day for one month in February, pray that God would bless us with a $1,000 offering. We prayed and we prayed. During the week, we sent out email reminders, reminding them to pray. Every Sabbath, we got up in front and made the announcement reminding our members to pray. And God blessed us with an offering in February with $4,382. We were able to provide 876 Bibles. We didn't expect this. So what do we do? I heard somebody say pray. The missionary on the tape always said that when God blesses you, you ask God for just a little bit more. And that's the way you grow in faith. 
So we decided to ask God for just a little bit more. Since we got 4,382, we decided to pray for $4,500 so we could build eight bamboo and thatched churches in Cambodia. Dirt floors. No bathrooms in these bamboo and thatched churches. Just a simple place where the brethren can come together to worship. So we're praying once again. Oh, I want to tell you, before I move on ahead, about how the money came in. One week before we collected the money, we had a visitor come to our church, and he heard the announcement being made about our offering, about praying for it, and felt impressed to leave a $1,500 check. On the Sabbath we were collecting, we had another visitor who felt impressed to give us a $500 check, and the rest of our members just gave. That's how the money came in. So here we're praying, we're praying, and in March, God blessed us with $6,684. So how did the money come in on the Sabbath? Well, during Sabbath school time, the members of our English-speaking church were invited to the Mother Korean Church to do the Sabbath school program, to tell them about what God was doing at New Life. And at the end of the presentation, one of our leaders told them about the special offering we're collecting and invited them to come join us and be a part of it. And so a number of families came over and contributed to this offering. So that's how we saw God provide for this. So what do we do now? What if God runs out of ways to provide for us? We decided to pray for 7,000 so we could sponsor 10 lay Bible workers for one year in Vietnam. In April, God blessed us with an offering of $8,470. Now at this time, we knew that we were not lucky. We were not using tithe money as some suspected. And it wasn't because we had a lot of wealthy members. So though we had a few physicians and dentists, it's always nice to have a few of those in every church. Amen? <laughs> we knew that God was doing something because we dared to believe his promises and we were praying. And so at that time we said, you know what? If we serve the God of infinite resources and the needs are so great in Southeast Asia, instead of asking God for just a little bit more, why don't we take a big step of faith? And we believe that God was wanting us to launch out into the deep. Jesus said to Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now, what is faith? I've come across many definitions of faith. I really like George Mueller's definition. He says, in the simplest manner in which I am able to express it, I answer, faith is the assurance that the thing which God has said in his word is true and that God will act according to what he has said in his word. This assurance, this reliance on God's word, this confidence is faith. Amen? He goes on to say, no impressions are to be taken in connection with, feeling, with faith. Impressions have neither one thing nor the other to do with faith. Faith has to do with the word of God. Probabilities are not to be taken into account. Many people are willing to believe regarding those things that seem probable to them. Faith has nothing to do with probabilities. The province of faith begins where probabilities cease and sight and sense fail. When we're doing work for God, when we're doing a ministry, how often do we make decisions based on what we have in the bank account? Is that faith when you make decisions based on what you have in the bank account? Our ministry organizes a mission trip overseas every year. And the number one reason I get from people about why they can't join us for the mission trip is I don't have the funds. Okay. But if you really believe that God owns all the silver and the gold, 
He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Should that be a reason for why we can't go on a mission trip to do his work? We shouldn't focus on what's in the bank account. We need to get on our knees and we need to pray, saying, God, what is your will? Where would you have me to be during those dates when that mission trip is taking place to Cambodia? And then we need to get into God's word and say, God, speak to me. Show me your will. And if God says go, by faith, you begin packing your bags and you continue praying that God would somehow send the needed funds. Amen? We walk by faith, not by sight, nor by budget. And lastly, George Mueller says, appearances are not to be taken into account. The question is whether God has spoken it in his word. And as we journey through this week and ask God, God, what are you saying to me? Luke 5, 4. Launch out into the deep and let down your necks for a catch. We decided to pray for $15,000 so we could support Vietnamese and Cambodian radio ministries and also provide 500 radios. I want to share with you the testimony of a young lady, Vanya Kim. She was 27 at the time. She had just passed her bar exam. I'm just going to read to you the underlying portions. She says, which is greater, $1,000 or $15,000? Well, that depends on who you are. That may sound strange, but to understand what I mean, all you need is a good combination of faith and prayers. Over the last few months, I have witnessed how powerfully God can answer prayers. In January 2006, we set a goal of $1,000 for our offering in February, and we prayed fervently that God would bless His people with much-needed funds. At that time, even though I prayed, I was filled with doubt. But I soon discovered how great our God is. In January, although I prayed, I lacked the essential believing component. God has shown me that not only do I need to pray, I must believe that God will respond to my call. God's blessings have impacted not only how I pray, but how I spend money and how I think of others. You get involved in missions, it will change your whole monetary lifestyle. Amen? Our goal for May is $15,000, and I have no doubt that God will answer our prayers so that His name can be glorified in Southeast Asia. To our God, no amount of money, be that 1000 or 15000 is too great or even too small for His people. So what do you think God did? And may God bless us with an offering of $22,734. We had a physician in the church. In the winter, she didn't get her bonus. And she didn't complain. Because godly people don't do what? Don't complain. Amen? But her bonus came out in May. And I believe the Lord tapped her on her shoulder and said, you know that offering you've been praying about? Why don't you put it towards that offering? She put in her bonus. I had another friend. Two weeks before we collected this offering, he had sent us, sent us a $1,000 check because he had heard about the offerings. And we had little amounts trickling in from here and there because the story was going out. This one individual sent us a $1,000 check. And then on the Sabbath morning that we were collecting for this $15,000 offering, this individual calls me up and says, is this the Sabbath you're collecting for that offering? He says, a couple of mornings ago, in my morning devotions, the Lord has impressed me to send double what I already sent up. And so he sent 3000 And the rest of our members, they were just giving sacrificially. You know why? Because they saw that God was doing something. And when God is moving, who wants to sit by and watch? Amen? You want to jump in and be a part of it. Amen? 
this time we began asking ASAP what they felt were the greatest needs because all this money was pouring in and we wanted to go where the need was the greatest. They told us about the Vietnamese Youth Evangelist Project, so we began praying for $25,000. June, third Sabbath, I was at the Washington Conference camp meeting, which is about a 20-minute drive from our church. But our church group wanted to meet at our church because they wanted to know what God was going to do with the offering. But since I worked for the conference, I was at uh, Auburn Academy, and after the worship was over, I called one of our deacons who I knew had helped count up the money, and I asked him how much we had received. And he said we collected a little over $10,000. And he seemed a little discouraged, and he said, what do we do? Because up until now, Sabbath after Sabbath, we had met our goal. Well, the Lord really prepared me for this experience in a very special way. A few days before camp meeting began, I got a series of CDs from a friend in Barron Springs, Dan Augsburger, who travels around the world talking about prayer, revival, and the Christian life. And as I listened to those CDs, there were a number of stories about how God provided for people who prayed for a specific need. For example, one pastor prayed for 1200 and felt assured that he would get 1200 A few days later, he gets a $1,000 check. And he kept praying, kept waiting on the Lord, and sure enough, $200 more came in. There were a number of stories like this, and as I thought about those stories, I could only believe that the money was coming. So I told our deacon, we got to move forward, thanking the Lord, believing that the funds are coming. Well, the deacon talks it over with his wife, and they decide to put in an extra 5000 to the offering because they wanted to help God out with this. <laughs> but how much did we pray for? 25000 That evening, we baptized one of our members at camp meeting and then went over to the person's home for reception. After the reception was over, as I was getting ready to leave the house, this individual approached me and asked me if I could tell them how much we had collected for the offering that morning because the Lord had impressed him the day before for him to put in whatever is needed to cover the remaining balance. So I said, I'll get back to you because there was little bits in here and there that was trickling in. I get back to him and he's writing out this check for over $9,000. God blessed us with a total of more than 26000 in June. So the next morning, Sunday morning, I'm on my knees just praising the Lord. Wow, God, you're so wonderful. You are God Almighty. You know, I grew up reading about the stories about how God parted the Red Sea. I heard the stories about how God took the five loaves and the two fishes and fed a multitude of more than 20,000 men, women, and children. And here I'm seeing that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And now I'm saying, God, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Anyways, during that day, I happened to be reading the writings of Ellen White on my computer, and somehow I stumbled across this letter that Ellen White had written to Captain Norman Henry. And I'm just going to under- read the underlined portions from this letter. Some months ago, the assurance was given me to call upon our brethren in America for help. The Lord said, continue to pray, continue to ask. I will move upon hearts, and means will come in the way I have appointed I'm saying, God, are you speaking to me? God, is this you? And I continued reading. And it says, go forward, the Lord said. I understand the whole case, and I will send you help. Continue to pray. Have faith in me, for it is for my name's glory that you ask and you shall receive. Thank you, Lord. So then we decided 
to pray for $30,000 for the Phnom Penh Church Planting Project. We had heard about how the work was just growing and how there were so many Bible study um, requests coming in, but they needed the funds to keep the church planters. They didn't want to lay off the church planters. So once again, we began praying. The next month, God blessed us with an offering of $10,006.51 to be exact. What do we do? Keep praying, rejoicing, thanking the Lord. We know how God has blessed us previously. We know how God came through for us just a month ago. And there's that letter that God spoke through. All we could do is, is um, move forward, praying and believing. And at this time, I believed that, that God was wanting to do so much more than just wow us Sabbath after Sabbath. He's more concerned about stretching us and growing our faith. And a week goes by, two weeks goes by, and I'm saying, Lord, how much longer do we have to wait? And I'm reading promises like this. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Three weeks goes by. Three and a half weeks later, I get this email from Julia O'Carey, the associate director of ASAP. She says, while we were at ASI last week, one of our donors stopped by our exhibit and felt moved to write a check to ASAP for the national workers. We did not expect this check and did not prompt him in what areas to contribute to. He wants 20000 to go towards the church planters in Phnom Penh. With the 10000 from your church combined, with this donation, these church planters' salaries are taken care of for the year. We believe that God provided. Our next goal was for $40,000. Took two months for the money to come in. $20,000 came in through our church and $20,000 went directly to ACP. Long story short, in one year, the amount of money we saw flow through our church alone of about 70, 80 youth and young adults was over $120,000. We couldn't have pulled this off. We're not that rich. This was something God I love the motto of uh, the Jefferson Baptist Church in Oregon, where D. Duke is a senior pastor. Much prayer, much blessing. Little prayer, little blessing. No prayer, no blessing. What have you been experiencing in your life? Little blessing? No blessing? Or much blessing? Friends, what do you want to experience here at this conference? Little blessing? Much blessings. You believe God wants to bless us? Okay. Do you understand why there's so much praying going on here at this conference? I mean, at this Bible camp? I love this quote by Matthew Henry. When God intends unrivaled blessing on his people, he sets them first a praying. I love this promise, Psalms 81, verse 10. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. I heard that it was George Mueller's favorite promise, and I said, if it works for him, I'm going to make it my favorite promise. I want to tell you about a personal experience I had while we were going through that one year with the offerings. 
In May, do you remember how much we were praying for back in May? $15,000 offering. I had no idea how the money was going to come in. But at that time, my wife and I, being very frugal, we had saved up some money in our savings. We had a little over $5,000 in our bank account. And you know what God said? I want you to put what you've saved up in your bank account towards that offering. Now, I was, I'm working on a pastor's salary, and, and we're being frugal, we're saving up, and I'm thinking, by the time I retire, I might have enough money to buy a Mercedes-Benz. But God is saying, I want you to put that money towards that offering. And so I said, God, what you have given to me, I will give to help the less fortunate. But I had a problem. I had a $40,000 school loan. Anybody here have debt? Are you praising the Lord for your debts? What did Charles Spurgeon say? Anything is a blessing which makes us pray. Amen? Well, I said, Lord, you know about that debt? I want to give that to you. You take care of it. Because your word does say, cast your burdens on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. Your word does say, cast all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. So I said, God, you take care of that. And I believed he would. Um, Psalms 81 verse 10 actually begins with these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it. In another place in Exodus, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land, out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And I said, God, I know you have brought me out of the house of bondage. You have delivered me from the bondage of sin. But I believe that it is your will that I also be delivered from, the bond, the, from financial bondage. It's not God's will that we be in financial bondage. Amen? In Proverbs 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender. And I said, God, I don't want to be a servant to anybody but to you alone. By the way, are you familiar with the story in 2 Kings chapter 4? Open with me in your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4. Beautiful story in here. If you found the passage, can you say amen? A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. She has lost her husband, and now she's about to lose her two sons because of this debt problem. She needs help. Amen? So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house. She has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. She doesn't have much. But God doesn't need much, amen? He could take a little, place it in his hands, and it can become much. Verse 3, then he said, go, borrow vessels from everywhere. From all your neighbors, empty vessels, do not gather just a few. Hey, when God says go out and do something, you think big. Amen? And expect great blessings. Verse 4. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her 
and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Verse 6, Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt. Isn't that beautiful? And you and your sons live on the rest. We serve an amazing God. So why is this story in the Bible? Why are all the stories in the Bible? Man, listen to these statements um, from the Spirit of Prophecy. Every promise in the Word of God furnishes us with subject matter for prayer. Have you ever asked the question, well, how do you pray? What do you pray about? I mean, I run out of things to pray about after five minutes. Has that been your experience? Friends, every promise in the Word of God furnishes us with subject matter for prayer. Whatever spiritual blessing we need, it is our privilege to claim through Jesus. We may tell the Lord with the simplicity of a child exactly what we need. We may state to him our temporal matters, asking him for bread and raiment, as well as for the bread of life and the robe of Christ's righteousness. Your Heavenly Father knows that you, need, you have need of all these things and you are invited to ask Him concerning them. Amen? So I began claiming this promise in May. And um, by the way, do you remember how much God, do you remember how much we prayed for in May and how much God blessed us with in May? We prayed for 15000 but God blessed us with more than $22,000. He didn't even need my $5,000. But I have, I have um, seen on various occasions how when God tells you to move forward in faith, and it requires a leap of faith, and you move forward, you know what God does? He blesses you exceedingly abundantly to just show you how pleased He is with you. How pleased He is when God's people trust Him and move forward in faith. And so I'm, I'm claiming this promise, and every day I will be talking about um, different dynamics of prayer in the next couple of days. Um, so important to persevere in prayer till the answer comes when you believe that something is God's will. So every day, went to the Lord with this promise, telling him to come through for me, to take care of my debt. It was about seven months later, it was in December, an individual who knew about my debt one day came up to me and says, my spouse and I have talked it over and we have decided we want to take care of your debt. And I said, thank you, Jesus. Not out loud to her, but <laughs> in my heart. God is good, friends. I am debt free. I will never go into debt again. Okay? My wife cannot be here with us today because she started her first week of school at Anish University ever since she became a Christian through the SDA Language Institutes in Korea. Um, it's always been her desire to get a degree in English so she can one day use English to teach others and bring others into the church. And this has been a dream that she's had since 1996, and she's been praying about it, praying about it. The Lord finally opened up the doors, and she started her first semester. Um, God blessed us with a nice um, income tax return and another nice gift that came in, and she was able to pay off her tuition for the first semester. And we believe that because God has led her 
there into the program, God's going to continue to provide for our needs. Jeremiah 33, verse 3. Beautiful promise. Call to me, and I will answer you, and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Friends, do you know a God that you can call to? A God who answers you? A God who will show you great and mighty things? It's exciting. It's exciting to move forward in prayer. You're working together with this God, the God of the universe, who inclines his ear to you. And he hears your cries, who also gives you the desires of your hearts. That's what the word says, amen? Delight yourself in him, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Another beautiful promise. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. I love the way the Living Bible paraphrases this verse. Now glory be to God, who by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we would ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers or desires, thoughts, or hopes. Martin Luther, as Dave mentioned earlier, was a great man of prayer. Spent anywhere from two to three hours each morning in prayer. Man used mightily by God. You know what? You think about it. All the great men, all the great women in history that God used mightily, they all had one thing in common. They were all, without exception, men and women of prayer. He says, None can believe how powerful prayer is and what it is able to effect, but those who have learned it by experience. I can talk and talk and tell you story after story about how powerful prayer is. But you will not get on your knees and begin to pray until you have experienced the power of prayer. And it's for that reason at this conference, we want to encourage you to spend time not only here at 6.15 a.m. in the morning, but spend at least an hour in that prayer room. We've had some incredible experiences. We started this at the last Army Bible Camp. And then a few weeks later, my wife and I and Melissa went to another five-day camp called Faith Camp, which is all about inspiring people to step out in faith and get involved in missions. And we ran a prayer room. And the people were so blessed. The director of that program has said from now on, at every faith camp, we're going to be having that 6.15 early morning prayer meeting, and we're going to have a prayer room. Well, later, we ended up meeting Janet Page, wife of President Jerry Page at the Central California Conference. She heard out about this at the GC session, maybe two weeks before the SoCal camp meeting took place here in Central California Conference. And we were invited to come out. For 10 days, we were running that prayer room. My wife and I, Melissa, with the help of the prayer warriors in the conference, we were spending 10, 12 hours a day in that prayer room. It was amazing. Because we saw God's spirit move. And there were people coming back for the 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th hour. We had many people regularly coming back every day for an hour, if not two or three hours every day. We would ask them, why are you coming back? And they go, because 
this is where I sense the presence of God. People were saying, this is the only place I can feel peace. This young man who had come out of a gang, uh, who had come out of prison for gang-related activities five months ago, he told me, he went in there feeling heavy. He left feeling light. We heard testimony after testimony. And it is for that reason that at the last Army Bible Camp, we wanted to encourage all the attendees to spend at least one hour in the prayer room. But at this Army Bible Camp, we want to encourage everybody to spend at least one hour every day. Simply because we want you to get all the blessing that God desires to bestow upon us at this camp. Amen. I want to end with these words once again. Much prayer, much blessing. Little prayer, little blessing. No prayer, no blessing. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear God, thank you for your precious promises, for your amazing promises, which we can claim by faith. Thank you, Lord, for inviting us to come boldly to the throne of grace. I want to thank you, Lord, once again for all the praying that's going to be taking place here at this conference. Lord, we want to experience great blessings. Please pour out your Spirit on us here at Army Bible Camp. Give us revival, a revival of true godliness. Bless us, Lord, and may our cups overflow so that when we leave this place, we may be able to go out and reach our cities and be a greater blessing to those who are in need and are lost. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Pray this in Jesus' name.